What's going on, folks? Thanks for hitting that download button and checking out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with some assembly required. I'm your host, Rich, and if this is the first time you're checking out an episode, first of all, welcome. Second, a bit about what we do here. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we sit down with content creators, entrepreneurs, and just awesome folks that are on our radar and discuss the gadgets, the gear, and the tech that they use to run their business, create content, and more importantly, be more productive. Now, when it comes to the toys aspect of this podcast, it's not just relegated to talking about action figures or things like that. Everyone's definition of toys is a little different. Some people consider toys their gun collection or the cars they drive. So we try to embrace toys here in a more broad sense. And by doing that, it allows us to get a little bit more of of an intimate conversation with our guests. It allows us to break up some of that business talk, get to know them a little better, and sometimes find a lot more commonalities between us than, you know, than, than you'd think at the initial start of an, of a podcast episode. So that's uh that's a breakdown of what we do here with that out of the way, let's get some housekeeping done and jump into this week's guest, which I was very, very excited to sit down with. So as you may have heard in the last episode with Andrew Davis, that was episode 50. That was the closeout of our second season. If you haven't been following this podcast for very long or you're not familiar with how we structure our recordings, we like to do our our shows in 25 episode seasons for Toys and Tech of the Trade. Number one, it allows us to really spec out 25 potential guests and it gives it forces a well-deserved break. And before I turn it over to this week's guest, I want to just recommend this as a call to action to my fellow creators out there. Give yourselves a break. As somebody who's been doing this a long time, 15 years, a little over 15 years now, we get sucked into the quote unquote hustle culture. Don't sleep, don't eat, the grind, all the inspirational messages, all of that. And listen, all of that is great. The grind is outstanding. Being part of that is outstanding. But guess what? If you're not doing the most important thing, which is taking care of yourself, that grind isn't going to mean a damn thing. And I'm being honest. If you're not sleeping, if you're not eating, if you're not being present with your friends, your family, those closest to you that support your endeavors, you're doing yourself a disservice because, and I tell this to a lot of people and it's cliched, but you can, you can get back a dollar. You cannot get back an hour. And especially I've become more aware of this, especially over the last the last year and a half, you know, with the pandemic and being home, um, you know, being unemployed, just being being present for sending my daughter to school, making her breakfast in the morning, little things like that, that really brought a lot of joy to, to me personally. And don't get me wrong. Uh, there's still times when I spend a couple of sleepless nights working on stuff, but I'm starting to be more cognizant of the fact that listen you need to sleep you need to rest you're not getting any younger and more importantly a lot of that leads to some burnout that you think is coming from writer's block if you're a writer or just not having good video content or not knowing what to record for your podcast but in all honesty it all it all boils down to you the creator if you're not taking care of yourself sleeping eating 
um, you know, laughing, laughter is is the best medicine, and it's it's true. The fact of it is that your content, your product, and everything else will suffer. Find ways to either take a break or force a break. And don't get me wrong, I'm telling you folks this, and I should always follow my own advice, but I'll be the first one to tell you that there are times when you can ask someone like Jay Santee from our podcast network who hosts Turnbuckle Tabloid, like, hey, if you message Rich at 2 a.m., will he answer? 3 a.m., will he answer? Jay will say, yep. Sometimes we'll have full-on conversations through Messenger about all kinds of nonsense, whether it's show-related or otherwise, or real world. And the thing about it is that that's cool and all, but the grind doesn't mean anything if you're not healthy enough to, to be out there doing the grind. So I'm putting this out there as a call to action for my fellow creators and it's something that you'll you'll hear from our guests to a point. Um, take time for yourselves. Take time to, like I said, be present if you're a, a family man or woman or individual. Uh, I'll put it that way. Um, if you have children, take the time because guess what? That that five minutes you don't spend having a tea party with your kid or watching cartoons with your kid. When your kid gets older and you ask for the five minutes and your kid says, oh, I can't or I'm busy or I got something to do. It's going to come full circle and you're going to feel like crap because you're going to say to yourself, I wish I had more time. And with that, I think that it's a good way to turn things over to this week's guest. Um, This person has been on my radar for quite a bit. uh, Thanks to, uh, uh, you know, Gary V, D-Rock, all those individuals. Um, I learned about this this week's guest and um, I've been following his content quite consistently. So I'm actually glad to sit down and share his story and all the aspects of his content creation journey with you because there's so many things you can take away from this. Um, Something as simple as not wanting to work in a place where you have to dress up. You're probably wondering why that matters. It does for your mental and emotional well-being because if you're doing something you don't want to do and you're forced to do it for the sake of Oh, I need this job or whatever. Initially, it's going to be one of those things where it's a job. I'm not going to worry about it, but it's going to eat away at you. But you know what? Don't take my word for it. Let's turn it over to this week's guest and hear about the toys and tech of their trade. My guest this week, if you're a content consumer in the New York City area, you've heard his iconic catchphrase. It's your boy, Mike, the one and only Mike Schulte joins us to share how he not only pivoted from real estate to content creation, but how he's also managing both along with a bunch of New York stories and much more. Let's get into the toys and tech of Mike's trade. Mike, what's going on, my friend? What is going on? Thank you so much for having me. Man, your your story, it's funny because I ended up following you through, I want to say a D-Rock post. I think on Instagram or something and seeing seeing so many commonalities between both of us. I followed you to TikTok where you're just demolishing it right now with over 243,000 followers, over 5 million likes. And I want to dig into that, but I want to first of all start with just what your day-to-day is like, especially um something we were talking about before we started recording just being your own boss and running your own business. How, how did you get started in the real estate space and what drove you there versus any of the other traditional careers? 
so prior to working in real estate, I was uh, running Circuit City all over Long Island. And uh, and if you don't remember Circuit City, it, it was a, an electronic retailer that was similar to Best Buy. And 2008 hit, and the economy fell in the tank, and they went out of business. So by 2009, they were done, um, and I was uh, I took some time off. I went to Africa. I sat on my couch and watched Family Guy in South Park for about a month. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm I'm done with corporate America. Like I'm not going to ever work for somebody else again in my life. Um, and when you work in retail management, you know you work 60 hours a week, you know, in the holidays, sometimes close to 70 or 80. And, um, you know, so you've gotten used to putting in that effort, but that effort's for somebody else. And I was like, you know what? It's time that I do it for myself. Um, and at that point, my, my father had been in real estate for about 10 years. Um, and he was always like, oh, come do this. You'll love it. you make a lot of money. And I was like, you know, I just, I've been making a lot of money. Like, I, I'm not leaving a good salary thing to, to go be a hundred percent commission. And um that was a little over twelve years ago now. Um you know and, and a lot has changed in that period of time in the world and technology and you know social media was in its infancy um, yep. when I started real estate. <clears throat> and uh, it, it's you know changed the world we live in and it's gonna continue to change the world. So I mean, real estate is still one of the day-to-day businesses. Social is becoming the second. Uh, we're not at the point where I'm just able to create, but that ultimately is the goal. Um, so, you know, it's it's uh, it's nice in being able to not be tied to a, a, an office or a job or a boss or like a certain set of requirements but frankly like when you own your own business you're always on call so like when people are like thank god it's friday like i i don't know what that feels like (laughs) Like, i've never had that understanding of the world like i mean working in retail and friday doesn't mean anything the weekend people come and shop right so and and when you work on your own business it's like you know like it took it took a while and it took a lot of beating down from my wife uh, rightfully so to get me to like take Saturdays off um, on a consistent basis for a long period of time. I was just like, as I was, you know, expanding the team and, you know, expanding the business right after my son was born, I just worked. Right? Cause I, I do, you know, there's young family of age of the airship. And uh, I got to tell you, it, it's nice to, to, to not have to have a day, but like, running your own business, you're, you're always on call. Like, it's not like I'm not going to check my email or look at what's going on because it's Saturday. I may not look at it as much, but I'm, you know, you're still always there. So it's, it's, it's just a different, uh, set of headaches. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to unpack a little bit of, of your origin story. Um, funny, funny, you know, we you were talking about circuit city, um, especially in long Island. I used to go to the one over by the source mall, and my okay. original office building was next to the one that was across the street from Roosevelt Field. Uh-huh. So, you know, I know, I know that. Yeah. So I know that, I know that business. I know that, that, that business all too well. I still, I think I still have a DVD recorder that I bought right before they closed. So, you know, to be in that retail space, especially back then, 
you know, it was it was definitely dog eat dog. And, and just uh, especially when Black Friday and that holiday crunch came in. I mean, my wife at one point worked for Best Buy. So like I, I understand that. And I can I can definitely relate to the fact that you reach that tipping point when when it all it all came, you know, crumbling down for Circus City that you were like, man, I just I don't want to do the retail space. I think it's something that sours a lot of people. And it forces them to move into these other, I don't want to say safer environments, but just environments that are less geared towards dealing with that grind of, of people. Now, with that said, I want to, I want to talk about why, how'd you end up going to Africa? <laughs> so I always, I always wanted to see the pyramids. Right? That was always, always a dream, right? And the beauty of the economy falling apart was it became a lot cheaper to do other things, right? So what would have been like a eight to ten thousand dollar trip before the economy falling apart ended up becoming like a two thousand dollar trip. And I was in Egypt for two weeks in Cairo, Alexandria, Luxor. And that's like two thousand dollars all in. That's like flights, hotels, food, wow. souvenirs, everything you could think of. Um so it was always something I wanted to do and I was like, you know what? When you work, as you know, you work in retail, getting long periods of time off, even though you get two weeks a year, quote unquote, or whatever the second is. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm. No, nope, nope, it, it's all good, all <laughs> good. Um, Be your true self. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's uh, it's refreshing to take that time for yourself. Um, and I didn't I didn't know at that point like what my next steps were. Like I hadn't settled yet on like okay i'm gonna do real estate like there was a time where i was still trying to like find a job i guess um but then i was like you know what like eh. but I, it, it, egypt was dope i don't know that i've been lucky i've traveled a lot like i don't know that i'd go back cairo is a very very busy place it's like the size of new york city but three times the population um personal space is, is totally different in that popular world versus where we live so it was cool. It was a definitely dope experience. Um, but that's, that's how Africa came uh, You know, when, when your dad, when your dad pitched you real estate, I know that one of the scariest things, especially for a lot of folks is exactly what you were saying. And I kind of want to go, go into that a little bit was just not wanting to have the lack of a steady paycheck. What, what did you need to do to convince yourself to continue down that path? Like what, what obstacles were in the way when that, when that opportunity presented itself that made you kind of question if it was the right play? I mean, I don't know if there was anything that made me question it. Like I, I had some money, right, saved, which is what, what I would suggest to anybody going into the business because you're going to, there's going to be a first, maybe a couple of months before you get your first check. Um, you know, but, it, it's just in making a decision to, to do what's right for you and just like switch your mindset. So like reverse engineer <clears throat> what you want to make and then figure out how you're going to make it and what you need to do then to like what actions you need to therefore take in order to get the result that you want. Um, and, and it wasn't peaches and cream from like day one. I would say for like the first six years of your real estate, my real estate career, I was your typical agent that 
didn't really work as much as they should and probably drank too much and smoked too much and so on and so forth. Um, and then my wife, my then girlfriend, now wife, was pregnant and she was like, yo, she's like, you either need to, you need to, you need to make 25 grand in the next 60 days or go find a real job. And at that point, I was like, fuck, like I've been doing this for six years. I built relationships. I built, and when I say relationships, I mean, it's like, it's like on the business side, all right. those developers, you know, people. Um, and I was like, you know, I don't, I don't want to walk away from that. And I'm like, but then I thought back to like the 80 hour weeks I put in and so I and I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to do it. Like I haven't, I hadn't really put long hours into real estate, if I'm honest, from year one to year six. Maybe maybe one week here, one week there, but not at any extended period of point. And uh, went went like pot in and watched my business triple. And um, you know, it's a big study. And then two years ago, she joined the business uh, to run the whole back end. And you know, it's it and Corona happens, so um, you know, business was up in 2020. Will be up again this year. So in the big picture, like being up in a pandemic is an amazing thing. Yep. Um, but it's also, you know, I, I'm at the point where, you know, social also started like right before the pandemic, kind of like around the same time that my wife's like, not social, TikTok. Um, you know, and that's become another avenue. So like, I, I doubt that I, in two years, I'll be putting anywhere near the effort that I'm putting into real estate now. Like maybe I'll do two or three sales transactions a year um, and still keep the team in place. My wife will run all that. But, you know, the goal is to transition to being a full-time creative and, and whatever else comes along with that. One of, the, one of the things when I first initially started following you that I liked was you posted, hey, I bet you your realtor doesn't look like me. And, you know, that resonated with me at the time. Because, you know, you there, you, you know, where you got your jeans on, you, you know, you got fresh kicks or, you know, fresh pair of Tim's on un, totally unconventional. But at the end of the day, I, I feel like you said something about, you know, it's connecting with people. If I remember the post, I don't remember if I saw it on Instagram or, or LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And the thing that got me about that is that I think that that's a big problem with a lot of people when they go into business for themselves, they get that imposter syndrome. They want to be you know, someone we were talking about earlier, they want to mimic Gary Vee or mimic Joe Rogan if they're in podcasting instead of just trying to be their most authentic self. When when you were when you started running your own your own business and you started doing that on your own, did that feel awkward? Did people deal with you differently when you walked in and you were you were unapologetically New York? So, so it's taken me a while to get to that point. Okay. And it's taken a lot of ups and downs and battles to the point where, like, if you go on my company website where I do real estate, which I won't say where, but you can figure it out, you won't find a headshot for me because my headshot wasn't quote unquote to their brand standards. Now, mind you, it's like, I won't wear a fucking suit. I just won't. Right. I won't do it. I don't think anybody is comfortable in a suit. Um, and I think it's indicative in the fact that nobody wears a suit on their day off. 
or almost nobody, because I know there's always been an exception, but yep. the super majority don't work. So if it was this amazing piece of attire that made, you know, did all these things, people wear it on Saturday, but they don't. They wear a t-shirt and shorts or jeans or sweats or whatever the fuck it is. And I believe we work our best when we are most comfortable. So I think for a while now, and I think TikTok has amplified this, um, authenticity is probably one of the most undervalued assets currently. And I think it's changing. And I think that's why you see people that aren't beautiful or fit the current, like fit the standards of what society has set to be successful for so long do incredibly well on this platform. And I think society is changing. And I think if anything, Corona has amplified that as well. Um, because we want to work, we, first of all, especially when it comes to financial transactions, we want to work with somebody that we trust, right? And we all know that when we meet somebody and they feel like a fake suit, yep, you just get a different energy. Like you just get a different vibe. And I'm not knocking anybody individually. I, I kind of hope that those people eventually get it. Um, but I, I, it's taken a while to get to this point and, and a ton of battles along the way. And I've definitely lost business as a byproduct. But I'm okay with that. that. Because I think in the long run, the authenticity will pay dividends over what I may not have made in the short term i'm glad i'm glad you mentioned that about losing you know losing businesses and stuff were you you know how frequently did you run into people or clients that had preconceived notions without even shaking your hand and having a conversation with you what was what how often was that an occurrence for you especially when you were really doubling down on that so it's it's on a slightly different higher level. Like there's developers that wouldn't necessarily take the meeting because I didn't look and feel the the part, quote unquote. Um, but what I found is as time has passed and a lot of those, they tend to always be older. That's just what it is. Because mm-hmm. Unfortunately, people are generally, regardless of age, but you see it more prevalent as you get older, like people are passionate about the way things used to be. And if you're passionate and and you want to stay true to what used to be, you're going to get left behind. Like it's happened throughout the history of man. Right. So as those people who are older have either moved away from the business or, or passed on and their children start taking over, you've, you've seen a shift. You know, I've watched it happen where when I started, Nobody wore jeans, right? Like it, within the industry as a whole, with maybe a, a handful of exceptions, to the point where almost everybody wears jeans now, right? Like you go into any real estate office where people are there doing work, and people are dressed how they want to dress now. That wasn't always the case, but you know, it, it it's a progression of society as well. It's not just real estate it's not just sales it's 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 everything like if you look if you go outside like i was in the city last night and it, it's a lot more personable than just like clones of each other right 
Um, and, and I think that's, I think that's important as we, you know, continue to evolve. Well, let's, um, let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about your, your initial jump into content creation and how you originally started, you know, you, you, you would dabble in it and try to mix it with your, and I want to say it in quotes, your day job. At what point, what, what point did you decide, Hey, I want to start doing content about what I love to do. Like what flipped the switch for you? What changed your, your thinking on how you approached social media? So I've been creating content for a little over five years now. And I would say the the first three years were like kind of two chapters, right? The, the first chapter was real estate content. Because I realized that a lot of people held the information in regards to real estate like so close to the chest and didn't share that information. And I saw an opportunity to create real estate related content, especially because that's what I was doing. So I told myself how to video edit um, and, you know, put out 150 pieces of content over uh, maybe a year and a half, call it, um, or maybe, maybe a year. And then you very quickly realize that one, there's only so many topics you can cover in real estate. Two, people are only interested in real estate if they are either A, a real estate professional or B, actively involved in a real estate transaction with the exception of like the real estate porn side of it, like those really sick apartments or really shitty apartments, whatever it is, yep. end inspection. And I was like, eh, okay, all right, whatever. I'm, I'm good. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And at that point I was expanding my team and really like consuming a significant amount of Gary V and shifted to like kind of creating some similar stuff, but along the lines of like what I was teaching my agents. Cause like he doesn't have any unique ideas. Like there's very little, there's only a handful of like new ideas. And it, it, this isn't a shot of him personally. I think he's an incredibly, it's like, I think his foresight into the industry are incredible. Is incredible. But like it, when it comes to motivation, like, you know, you take him, you take Tony Robbins, you take anybody else. It's, it's just a repackaged version of the same thing. Yep. Right. And it's like what resonates with people. So like for him, he was more real and raw. And that resonated with people away from that, you know, Tony Robbins looking like a bar, like a Ken doll kind of feel. Right. Absolutely. And so like I created, you know, the, the, the conversations I would have with my agents, I turned that into content um, because I realized like if I'm, if I'm helping my agent, one, I can help other people and create, you know, content that could be more marketable across you know, the net. Hired a full-time videographer, had, had somebody follow me around for a year, like a D-Rock. And uh, then I got sick of it. I just got sick of fucking creating content. I, I felt like, Facebook is where our parents go to complain. <laughs> Instagram felt like everybody was living their best fake life. And I was just like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. And I took three months off. Maybe not three months. Maybe like 
two months off. It's bad. And uh, in that period, I, I downloaded TikTok. And I, I, I enjoyed it because it was different. Like you saw people being vulnerable in a way that you don't see on any other social network. True. You saw people that were not your quote unquote standard influencers um, having an opportunity to be successful. So, you know, I, I, uh, I was like, all right, let's see, let's see what we can do. And the first video that I posted um, did very well. Um, I think it's not like, I don't even know, I haven't looked in a while, but it had like a max that at like 400,000 views. Jesus. And it was, it was like off to the races from there. And then I realized that like, one, after creating all that content for so long by myself, Two, then having a videographer follow me around. TikTok allowed me to do it all myself. Yep. Simply. And very, very easy. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to like do the shit that I'm already doing, right? Like I'm going to show you New York because I'm a lifelong New Yorker. Um, and food was not the first thing that I like got into. It was, you know, I had a series of New York City fun facts that did very well yep. um, that I honestly haven't done in a while that I probably should do again. Um, I like escaping uh, New York City. I've actually shared videos of places you've gone to for escaping New York City for friends of mine. I'll be like, hey, man, check out this place or go here if if you're getting out of town for a few days or you're going to this area. Um, You know, that's that's what really resonated with me when you started like shifting into that type of content because going back to what you said, it was relatable. Everything about from like the, the 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 Trader Joe's off of Woodhaven and the hyster- and the hilarity that happens in there to parking to just the New York City weirdness that only like people that live it experience. You know, you showed that and you kept it. It what you didn't pay, you didn't package it in a way that was like phony or like oh yeah this is the real New York. It's like this is it. There was no there there was no sugarcoating it, which was always good and I really enjoyed. Yeah, no, listen, I, and that and that was even a progression. So it was like getting to the point where like, so none of the escaping New York series, like I would, like that was all a byproduct of me going there anyway. Yep. So like, and, and that was a big like eye opener. It's just like, yo, just shoot the shit of the stuff you're already doing. <laughs> like if you, if you, if you cut out the, thought process and what you have to create and you just create what you're actually doing, it becomes easier because you're already there. So it's like, all right, I got to take this shot. I take this shot. I take this shot. It sits in my phone. And then I eventually create the video and upload it to the internet. Um, and that's, that's really kind of like where it's, it's come. It's like this shit that I'm into because I feel like, if I'm into it, there's probably tons of other people that are into similar things as well, right? It's not going to be everybody. Whereas the same way, if you look at like New York City food accounts, and I, and I try not to just get grouped into food, but if you look at that, there's a wide spectrum into what you'll see. Like you'll see people on the far end that are like the very high end of New York, and that works because there's there's people that are into that. 
then there's more people that are, you know, there's people that just do chopped cheese. Right? <laughs> so like there's every variant there and I'm just trying to put my lifelong perspective on it. Um, about a year, I don't know how long, maybe, maybe like early in Corona, a friend, now friend, reached out to someone that I've, I've met through TikTok. He's like, yo, my boy's coming in from Cali. And I was like, he's like, did you want to like, hang out and, and like shoot a video and show us around? And like, his boy had, like, they both had significantly larger followings than me at that point. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, Corona's still real, but like, you know, I was like, all right, let's do it. And so we went to, ironically enough, Corona, um, which is not, a, like, that wasn't the plan, but there's a really good uh, lemon ice spot there. So yeah, lemon went ice king. went around. Yeah. <laughs> and um, his boy gave me one bit of advice to kind of change everything. And he's like, you need to use the voiceover feature. He's like, you have a very distinct, specific, real New York sound to you. And you need to go for it. And like that day, the video that I posted, which was, I was doing food at that point, right? And the place that we went to go eat in Woodside, I shot um, unidentified flying chicken, which is amazing, by the way. Um, I used the voiceover feature and watched as like the analytics on that video did so much better than anything I had put out food wise almost before. Outstanding. And, yeah. And and went in and, and listen when you take a when you, when you when you take a step back there's always points that change things right but you you begin to learn you begin to get a better sense as to what works and what works for you and it's funny like I go into places now and they're like oh it's your boy Mike and that always feels weird to me like when people <laughs> say that I'm like and like. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. But um it's uh it's just being being who you are and that and that's also where like the catchphrase came from. It's your boy Mike. Is that you gotta get something at the beginning of your like the first second, like that 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 you say that's you. And I don't know where it came from specifically. Like I have no idea, I don't remember the moment, but it it, it stuck and I was like, Oh shit. You know, it reminded me of um, buying mixtapes back in the day. It's your boy, DJ Clue. You know, like I used to hear like I I never thought of that. Yeah. So when I I used to hear it, yeah, man, uh, you know, DJ Clue, the Desert Storm mixtapes, just buying tapes on Jamaica Avenue. So when I used to start really consuming a lot of your content and I'd hear it, it always. and, And again, that's just for me or any of like my my 90s new york folks that are listening yeah, to this yeah. that i was like man it's just it just felt good because again going back to what you were saying the messaging how it resonates how it connects with people like you walk through new york that's how it is oh it's my boy it's my home girl there's always that there's always that type of a connection where it feels familiar yeah I wanted to talk a little bit about the, 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 you know, some of the food content you were doing. I remember seeing you had done some work with Give Me Astoria, and um, wanted to wanted to talk about how how those partnerships came up. I know you visited, uh, got a sandwich the Aki way not too long ago. You know, I want to 
I want to kind of talk about those relationships and how they come together for you as a creator through TikTok. So, um, the Give Me Started thing, they, they reached out, you know, they wanted, um, they wanted to capture obviously that New York. And I originally did a, like a pizza battle for them. Yep. Um, where we compared all the pizza places in Astoria. Um, but like anything, some relationships, you know, don't always pan out and that's, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but you know, you learn, you learn a little bit and you move as, as you go on and, and, and it's, you know, it, it, it's all good. And, and I wish them the best. <laughs> um, but it's really just about continuing to make relationships, right? Like in continuing to connect, like regardless of if TikTok or in person or Instagram or whatever, where it is, it's just it's people. Like it's always people. Now it's easier when you send a DM and you haven't found, you know, a couple hundred thousand followers because people look at it and they're like, oh shit. Whereas maybe if you didn't, you might not get that return DM. Um, but you know, it's really just like reaching out. And, and at the end of the day, the videos bring and generate a ton of business because people end up going to these places to eat. And it's, you know, it's, it's really like a mutually beneficial situation, um, especially for business owners, um, to be able to, to work together and to be open to things. So like the Aki way was honestly like not even like I, I've wanted to do that for a while, but it's not something that like I planned. Right. Me. So like I, if you look at that, like I went, and, and you may see it in mine more so in his, I went with this guy named Manic who does Chachi something. And he had hit me up and I was like, yeah, let's collab. And he's got like 4,000 followers, right? On TikTok. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I like your energy. Like, I don't care that you have 4,000 followers. Like, I remember a time when I had significantly less followers and someone was like, yo, use voiceover. And it changed my trajectory. So mm-hmm. like, as long as people are good people, like I, I, to me, it doesn't matter what you have, like follower-wise. And he was like, yo, let's go to the Aki place. And I was like, oh, bet, let's do it. I'm like, so let me let me DM him. So I sent him a DM, ironically, on Instagram because it's somewhat easier to get in contact with people on Instagram than it is on TikTok. And uh, I was like, yo, I want to come through and shoot a, a video. I'm like, I see you around these days. Are you going to be here Tuesday or whatever it was. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I'll see you then. And literally, that's all it was. Like, it was like three DMs back and forth. <laughs> um, and so we go and do was super, super nice. Like, we had a bunch of other conversation and he, he's in a position where, you know, hopefully you're going to see some significant growth and changes from him in the next year. Um, I, I'm not going to share what we talked about, obviously, but uh, it's just, it's cool to be able to the easiest way to explain it is like I'm really just ultimately trying to always improve my circle right? of course and like I, I only want to fuck with people that are doing better than me in something right like, and that something is all relative it could be a variety of different things um, and for me the under like the underlying part is always like people's energy Right? Like if, if you have good energy and you're going in a direction like there's something that we definitely could could work on. If you're not, I, I, you know, I, I just I can't fuck with you. It doesn't get simpler, and, and that's okay. It doesn't get simpler than that. That's for sure. 
I um it's it's funny because he um you know the the Akiway got showcased in an article on the New York Post recently mm-hmm. and um like to see that and going back to what you just said seeing creators not not only just being their authentic selves but just starting to get that recognition is incredibly wonderful to see especially because like you were saying with, with everything that's been going on and and all the craziness you know you get tired of i i hate to say it this way but you get tired of seeing the people you'd expect to make it make it you know like you want to see the people that are hustling that are on the grind that finally they finally get their flowers so to speak because they're due and some people it's it's crazy to say but some people they're always like an inch or two away from that from that prize and and like you said you know you got burned out you stopped creating content or you're just like i don't i just don't want to do this anymore and and people people sometimes they stop seconds or days or weeks before they should and you know they miss out on opportunities i think you know one thing you shared was you know your wife telling you like hey you got to make twenty five thousand dollars and that lit a fire under you because I tell people all the time when when you become a a parent, whether it's for the first time or not, it's a different it, you get a different level of energy at that point because you stop living for you and you start living for someone else. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like most people, to touch back on what you were saying about most people stop right before they're about to bubble. Yeah, it's uh. You know? and, and go ahead. And, and frankly, like it, it, it's also like. Like you also got to take consistency and get back because I see a lot of people that have it that just can't be consistent. It's true, and maybe they can't be consistent because what I what I believe is they don't enjoy what they're creating. Therefore, it feels like it's work. Whereas, listen, I got to be honest. There's, there's days when I'm like, yo, I got to go shoot this, or I'm doing this with this brand or whatever. And yeah, it does feel like work in some capacity, but it's like when I take a look at it and I'm like, yo, this is my quote unquote work. Like that's fucking dope. But you know, it's, it, it, you gotta be consistent. Like that's the biggest, biggest thing. Consistency plus authenticity. You'll get there. I think we all will. And, and I think, I think everybody can. I don't think we all will. Now that I say that, I think everybody can. But, you know, the market, the market is ultimately what, what tells. Oh, no, of course. I think, I think there are some people in this universe that, you know, can be Jeff Bezos or Zuck or whoever. And then it's like some people can be the CEO. Some people can be the first employee. Some people can be the fifth employee. And you know what? If, if somebody's comfortable being the fifth employee or, you know, the guy behind the curtain, et cetera, then that's what makes that person happy. It boils down to, what you were saying before, just being happy with what you're doing, because if you are, then it's not work, but you can't, you can't complain that you're not, you know, at this level or that level, if you're not to your point, being consistent and putting in the work. Right. right. It's impossible. I, um, I want to shift gears a little bit, um, before we move into the next segment and just talk about your, your creation process. I know you said moving away from having a full-time uh, videographer following you around and you shooting it yourself. Um, you know, talk us through how you set up your, your projects and how you, you know, how you, what gear you take with you. I, I, I'm sure it's just a phone, but sometimes people have different approaches to it. So I want to kind of talk through that and share it with the audience. 
Yeah, so it, it's really just a phone. <laughs> it's just, I have an iPhone 11 Pro, I think. Um, and uh, that's it. And then I have a small, like, aperture uh, light. It's, like, pocket-sized. And um, that's all I really is. And, like, I shoot natively in, in, like, the camera phone option on the phone. Yep. And then edit within TikTok. Nice. It's super simple. You know, but it's it's funny because a lot of people do different things. Like I was I was in Chicago not so long ago and uh, hung out with a creator out there who does very similar stuff. And uh, he has a, a significantly larger following and we're talking and we're shooting and he's doing everything like within TikTok. So it's like a totally different creation method. Like he's He's recording it within the app, not as pieces, but like he'll create the pieces and then like adjust the, the clips and so on and so forth. But it was a totally different creation method. And I tried it for a couple. I'm like, yeah, let me see. You know, you never know. Yep. Um, and it didn't totally work out for me. So I kind of resumed back with what, what, what works and what is comfortable. Um, because there are certain limitations to just doing it natively in the app um because if you want to edit something later after the fact you you're you're limited just to what you put on the internet um not like the full raw as like the ship that i'll shoot when i'm out you know shooting clips like if i want to repurpose content for like a best pizza in new york all i gotta do is go to my hard drive and pull off where the places are you know airdrop it to my phone and then make the video um, within the TikTok app. Makes sense. I think um, I think that's one of the things that people sometimes get caught up in. And uh, I'm glad you you really explained that your process, while unique and and works for you, it may not necessarily be the ideal because, like you said, editing on TikTok be, has its own set of challenges. The same way that you're trying to do it your way, but the thing about it is, and I want people to realize this, it's the content that matters. The equipment, you can use 10 pieces, two pieces, but it's the content that matters. And I want everybody to see Mike is out there killing it, you know, 243.6 thousand followers on TikTok, and he's using a phone and a light. <laughs> That's it. Nothing, nothing crazy. Occasionally, I may, I may have like a tripod. Like a, a small collapsible one, right? Yep. But like, and I don't mean, I mean like a foldable one that like gorilla grips around things kind of shit. Yep. But honestly, like if I go into restaurants, like I take the light, I put the light, I rest the light on top of my glass of water, right? So it's almost at, so it's at like a better eye level and then just put the camera next, like, and hold the camera in my hand while I'm doing whatever I'm, like when you're seeing me eating, nine times out of ten I'm by myself. Like, there's not somebody else there that's backlighting the thing. It's, like, literally the camera on a glass shooting <laughs> into my hand, taking the bite. Yep, that's it's it. It's simple. Like, it, 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 you don't need to overcomplicate it. Hell no. I got I got to ask, um, b- before we move into the next segment, when you score a lot of a lot of places that you eat, how, do, how many businesses have responded? They'll be like, yo, we only got an eight? Versus out of you know versus out of nine point nine or so or whatever. I've only I've only, <laughs> I've only gotten that 
a couple of times, right? <laughs> like, I'm very honest. Um, I'm very honest with people like up front. Like, I, I don't care like either. So like generally there's three ways I'm coming in. One, I'm just coming in and you have no idea I'm coming in because I'm going there anyway, right? Or I've heard something that's so good that I just want to try it, like the beef patty spot that I went to up in the Bronx recently, right? Yep. The second way is like, so my wife does a lot of the back, like she does the back end and social stuff too. So she'll like reach out to places and I trust her implicitly. Um, she'll reach out to places and like, we may collab and it may be, you know, honestly like food in exchange for a video. Right. But I'm always up front. And then the third one is obviously pay. Right. But I'm always up front with people that listen, I, I don't give a fuck if you pay me. I don't care if you give me free food. I don't care if I come in on my own. It's not going to change whatever you get as a grade, but I'm going to give you the grade that I feel your food is worth. And I've gone to places where like, there's been things that are like the meal is like, Ugh. Right. But you, you try to find something that, that's good because generally, like, if you're able to stay in business and you've been able to make it through Corona, yep. you probably have at least decent food, right? Like, at a worst case. And there's times where I go places and I'll shoot something and I won't post it because the food's not, I'm like, nah, I can't post it. It's like, uh, I would have to give them like a 5.5. And I don't want to do that. Like, that's not that angle I want to go. And I don't want to shit on anybody. Right. Um, for the most part, I, I made certain exceptions, but um, getting back to your question, I had somebody reach out and they were like, well, what could we have done to get a better score, right? <laughs> and I was honest. I was like, one, your your spice profile could have been better, and two, you could have used better bread. Um, like, And it was, it was a, a sandwich spot, right? Um, and I was like, if you did that, you would have made a significant difference in what what it tasted like, right? Okay. And they were thankful. Um, but it's just, you know, it's just about being honest. Like, I'll go in and they're like, oh, make sure you give us a good grade. And I'm like, well, the grade is what the grade is. Like, <laughs> you know. I, think, I think that, you know, when I see that and then I see you go through um, you know, I, I'll go through your comments and I'll see and people will be like, yo, man, you, you really gave that place an eight, yo, it's it's all right. You know, it's not all that. And, and it amuses me because the thing about when you share so many of these places to eat and, and you've probably seen this, you got the diehards that are like, yo, this place is, is groundbreaking. And then you got somebody like, ah, why don't you go here instead and get a sandwich from here? So, so you know, Right. If you look at the people that make those comments, like if you look at their accounts, they don't create content. There you go. <laughs> or like, it, it, it's like videos of their dog. Yep. Right? Like, so it's like, and, and like, I've gotten to a point in my life where like, I can feel the negative energy in that shit. And I'm like, I, I kind of feel bad for them. Mm-hmm. Like, like who hurt you? you? See me like, <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes you might, you might even see me say something like sending love your way. Yep. Um, just because it's like, uh, but it's like, you know, people. Oh, did I lose your mic? People want to, no, 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 I I, I was trying to gather my words, I'm sorry. People want to have an opinion, and listen, everybody's allowed to have an opinion, I guess, you know, it's just, not every opinion is valid. 
No, it's true. I, I think that that's a, especially the, the toxicity of, of the internet. And I've seen that where you just try to, you try to kill them with kindness, even though it, I always say kill them with kindness so you can not kill them for real, <laughs> you know? Cause sometimes yeah. you read some of these comments and I'm like, I'm like exactly that. What I said before, it's like, yo, who hurt you? Like, why are you so yeah. angry about a sandwich place or a pizza place or my thoughts on it? It's like, yo, here's an idea. That that that, that yeah. TikTok makes so easy. Scroll past, <laughs> or go make a video for the pizza place you think is better. There you go. Like like that's really it. Like you want to go show love. I mean, you know, I see that with um, what the hell's his name? Uh, the guy from Barstool, Dave Fortnoy, when he does the pizza reviews. Yeah, yeah. And I go, I go, dude. Like, and I and I get it because he, part of it is an act. He definitely turns up, turns up to to try and you know really get a certain clientele but sometimes i see his videos and i go dude you realize that one of these old school pizza dudes will legit wait till you shut off this camera and whoop your ass right like like you don't get that do you it's it's crazy and you know like i said i like i love your your authenticity and you know it's something i wanted to share with my audience i want to just uh move into what we like to call the hot seat just a series of rapid fire questions related to what you do and just a, a bunch of other things in between uh, real quick, real painless, right off the top of the dome. Nothing, no pressure. Okay, All right. Okay. All right. Uh, besides TikTok, what are three mobile apps you can't live without? Uh, Instagram, because it's still essentially the phone book. Um, shit. Hold on. Let me look at my phone. I'm not drawing <laughs> phone. Give me a second. <laughs> I'm going to swipe my phone up and see what's on my first page. Um, eBay, because I'm always buying and selling shit. And um, trying to see what's in my last year's app. Maybe like Waze. Yeah, all right. Avoid traffic. They, oh, yeah, we definitely like, got to do that. I don't use, I'm not, I, I don't use a lot of them. Like, I'll use messages and email and so on, but I'm not like like a heavy app user outside of social. Out of all the, out of all the categories of food, the, and and places you've showcased. What's one type of food that you consistently try to go out of your way to have? This is a hard question. <laughs> um, pizza or bagels? There you go. Yeah, like I can eat pizza and bagels all day. I can eat Italian food all day too. But yeah. <laughs> well, you know what it is, especially because you you've tra- you're traveling out of New York. Do you do you secretly? Uh, compare as soon as you get out to a place like, oh, the pizza out here is not as good as home, man. Like, yeah. I don't know how people so, do so it. There's no, there's, there's no pizza that's as good as me. <laughs> My man. And and I know, I know, I know I'll get some slack from that maybe in the comments, but <laughs> I was just in Chicago, right? And the, the funny thing is you think of Chicago and you think of deep dish pizza. Right? right. But you go to Chicago and for them, that's quote unquote tourist pizza. They have like what's called tavern style pizza, which is like thin crust. So think like Domino's thin crust, but like one, one, one and a half levels better than that. Not like that, like all process assembly line shit. But it's still like, eh. the, the deepest pizza was, in my opinion, better than their tavern style pizza. But it's a different type of pizza. Like it's, it's, it's more of a meal than a, like a full meal than a fill me up. Um, you know, and people love New Haven. I think that shit's overrated. Like yeah. having worked in a pizzeria, 
<laughs> when I was younger. I know that one of the biggest parts of the pizza is the water that goes into making the dough. Absolutely. So you go, you go anywhere in, in, in the country, in the world, and water tastes significant. Like Papua tastes significantly different. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I, I always think that's part of it. I think there are good pizza options. I think I made a video a while back. I was somewhere like the best pizza anywhere else is like good, mediocre to good pizza here. Yeah, I, I'm 100%. I agree with you. I mean, bagels too. When I, when I went to visit my, my satellite, my main office, when I was working for the company I used to work for, I was like, Oh, let me get a, I got a bagel in Atlanta. And I'm like, it's all right. It's it's not not the same. And I said, I'm like, it's the damn water. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Um, when you're editing or creating, do you play music in the background? What's playing when you're working? No. Nothing, huh? Look at that. When I'm creating, no, nothing. nothing. I I am I, I'm shocked only because I, I, as a New Yorker, you, I can tell you the story offline. I I, I can't tell you the story while we're recording. Of course. No, no problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but most of it's created um, on my soup, honestly. <laughs> That's what's up. Uh, what's the last book you read? Um, I'm finishing a book right now called It Didn't Start With You. Really? Which is about like, uh, yeah, which is about uh, like personal traumas and shit stemming from your youth. Shit, I should read that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a dope book, one hundred percent. Like you, you should. Like, I, I, I recommend it to anybody. Because nice. Talked about how like a lot of the issues we may have as individuals sometimes are, are generational, but it may be even further back than like our parents. It might be shit that comes from our grandparents or our great grandparents, or the what the reason we are the way we are is because of the trauma necessarily our parents went through that we don't know about, or so on and so forth. So very eye opening in that capacity. Nice. Obviously, with the pandemic, we all consumed a lot of TV. What's the last TV show you binge watched? Uh, Squid Game. Oh man! So uh, I'm actually watching that with my with my wife now, and it's it's uh, it's 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 fun stuff. It's weird, but it's good. Yeah, I mean, eventually, I, I want to create content like episodic, whether it's Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. Like, I don't, I really give a shit. But like, I eventually want to create content like that, not not like Squid Games, but like for those networks. Right. So a lot of it for me also becomes like research per se. Nice. Um, so like, I'll, I'll watch, like, so if you watch that, I don't know how far you're in there. I'm not going to ruin any of it for you, but um, it's dragged out. Like, it, it, instead of being nine episodes or whatever it was, it could have been five. Right. Yeah. Like the, the, but in that which is different, essentially different storytelling than what TikTok is. TikTok is like, you know, 10 to 25 seconds, which is probably what does best. Um, and tell your story, get in, get out. Whereas that's, you know, a lot, a lot more detail, so on and so forth. And maybe that's, you know, for that format, but, um, it is, it is interesting. Like I, I watch it from a couple of perspectives. What was the last item you purchased that was less than a hundred dollars that made your life easier or more enjoyable? Last item that I purchased under a hundred bucks. Um, wow. 
I'm living my life in jail, man. Could be anything. I don't know. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know. I, I honestly haven't, like, I've been at a point in my life where I haven't really bought much. <laughs> like, I, I obviously, like, I spend money on food and my car and so on. And, like, I know to get gas and shit to get around. But, like, beyond that, like, I, I don't I don't buy a lot of things. Like, I haven't bought a pair of sneakers and. I haven't bought a pair of sneakers since through Corona. Wow. Because, like I have 15 pairs of sneakers here. For a while I was like into sneakers and I was like, you know what? I don't need any more. Like I got fucking sneakers. Like I'll wear, I'll, I'll wear something, beat it to shit and throw it in the fucking garbage. Yep. Um, I mean the light, the light that I use definitely made a huge difference and it was like 90 bucks. Oh yeah. The aperture um, lights. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that, um, but I haven't, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't, I, it's all I don't good. think I can answer that one. I'm sorry. It's yeah, all good. Yeah. All uh, good. Uh, I anti-climatic. No, 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 not, not at all. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we've definitely talked some tech. Obviously we got to talk some toys. What was your favorite toy or collectible from your childhood? I love, I like video games. Like, like I still have my original Nintendo. Wow. Um, nice. Yeah. Um I wasn't really into like comics and shit as a kid. I was into sports cards. Which uh at the beginning of Corona, like I got back into collecting more from like a investment side standpoint. Absolutely. Um so that's been fun. But um yeah. Yeah, sports cards. I, I got I got five boxes my father in law gave me, and I just got to sit down and muster the energy to go through them. So, so yeah, I, I, it's funny. I went I went through like some of my old stuff from when I was a kid, and none of it was worth anything really because it was like the junk era shit. But like, I had some magic cards from like when magic started that were worth some money that I eventually like sold on eBay, but nothing crazy like a couple hundred bucks. But like just investing in. Uh, stuff during Corona, you know, I've seen that market is in some capacity just like I have things that are up seven, eight, ten X and then there's things that are down. So it's all, you know, it's all relative in the big picture. How do you how do you feel about that, especially as someone who collected cards previously? I you know, growing up it was like, oh you buy your card, you get a good one, you put it in a top loader and that's it. Now you gotta get it graded and all this stuff. Where do you stand with that? With what? With like the having, yeah, with like so the I massive. Don't, I don't really send anything out to. I don't send anything out to get graded. Really? So like I have, yeah. So I have like I'll buy graded shit, but I don't send stuff out to get graded. Wow. Um. So, like I have like I look at it in like multiple aspects. So I kind of like diversifying. Right. So like I have, and I haven't bought cards in a while, honestly, because I haven't really been crazy about any of the players this season amongst the sports. Um. And honestly, I'm kind of just trying to save cash. Um, but I had like the, I would buy wax and open it and penny sleeve all the rookies. And then like there's a huge box of rookies I have sitting there that will sit there for 10 years. And 10 years from now, I'll go through and five of those rookies will be bordering on the Hall of Fame or getting close to all-star careers. And they'll be worth something. Um, and then there's other stuff that I've bought that 
um, is graded, you know, that I've seen explode. Like I've, I've made friends with a bunch of people that create sports card content. Um, and I'll lean on them for like their knowledge and, um, you know, invest accordingly for that. Um, Makes but, sense. Um, yeah. Like that, that's really kind of been what it is. And then recently I've kind of been moving towards buying, buying more just one of ones, um, which obviously is more expensive, but I feel like that market still is undervalued um, because any of these cards you buy, regardless of what they are, ungraded, graded, so on, there's tons of them. There's tens of thousands of them. Right. Right. Whereas a, a one of one, there's one. Right. So if you look at like kind of what's gone on with prices increasing as people have looked more into population reports on graded cards and you see that discernible difference now that maybe you didn't see 12, 18 months ago, I think you're going to eventually see that in the future. But, you know, Tops and Panini losing these licenses to fanatics, I'm, I'm hesitant to, to pour much more money into it because I don't know what's going to happen, you know, in five years. Gotcha. What are your non-negotiables when it comes to business? Um, I, I won't work with assholes. I don't care how much money you have. It doesn't make a difference to me. Um, I won't wear a suit for business. If I have to wear a suit for business, I, I won't do it. Um, and that's pretty much it. I'm getting to be a good person and just understand. Like the rest is detail. Like it's just what it is. Gotcha. Do you feel the pandemic made you more productive or less productive? <laughs> um, <laughs> I like the snicker with that if, too. <laughs> if, if, if I'm honest, I've been less productive without a doubt. Shit, you could have fooled me. <laughs> well, see, that's that, 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 that the whole thing, right? Like, I needed to take that pause to take a step back and take time. Like, if I look at, if I'm dead honest, and I look at, like, how many hours a week I worked pre-pandemic right? in real estate, that's probably 45 to 55 hours in a week, right? Right. Post-pandemic? That number may be 20, maybe, maybe 20. But granted, I've also spent probably 20 hours, 25 hours putting in on social that I wasn't putting in before. Right. Right. But it, it doesn't feel like work. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work to be like, all right, I got to go look, like, look at my calendar and be like, this is what my day looks like. I got to go here. I got to show this and show this. And I'm going to go eat here. I got some time, then I gotta show this, and then I gotta go home. Right? Like it doesn't it doesn't feel like as much work. I like the space that I'm better in now than before. Like I wouldn't So I have like, I have an office obviously in the city that I spent six years like five or five years trying to accumulate like these nine desk in this corner that like faces Park Avenue like to have the corner office right right and um, 
that's what it was before Corona. You know, we had nine bets. I was trying to even extend further into like the whole thing and do like 20 bets. And now I have two. And honestly, I don't even care. I like, I, I like, I'm like, I go to the office. I, I go to the office to process paperwork and like make sure even myself or my agents get paid. And that's it. Other than that, I'm not in the office. Like that's not where I go to work. I, I don't think I ever will go back to an office in that capacity again. And I think that's where we are. I think that's going to continue um, as, as time proceeds. I um I've seen you post here and there about mental health, and I I want to put this in there because I feel it's a good question, especially with how you approach yeah. content. How do you how do you decompress? So for me, it's like in nature. Okay. So I spent a large portion of my life involved in Boy Scouts. Uh, I'm an Eagle Scout, and I was a Boy Scout a myself for about. <laughs> For about six years, I was a scoutmaster of the two and queens. Um, so I'm, I love the woods. And to me, that, that's where I decompress. Um, and if I can't get upstate, like we are lucky enough to have a variety. Like people don't realize how many parks there are in New York City. Mm-hmm. Like 14% of New York City is actually parkland. And that may not sound like a lot, right? But there are at least that I can think of immediately five or six parks that you can go into, right, where you forget that you're in New York City, where you feel like you could be deep in the woods in Appalachia, right? And that's dope. So I'll try to do that as much as possible. But I think, listen, you hear me talk about mental health because I've definitely battled with that throughout Corona. and I think it's important for people to know that we all do. Like we all battle in some capacity, right? In some way. And to normalize conversations around it, to not make it stigmatized anymore. Um, because it shouldn't be, right? Like we should all, we should be okay inside the same way people spend that effort to be okay physically, like in the gym. Um, so I think it's, as, as someone that creates, I think it's, it's important for me to touch on certain topics, even if they're not like my normal thing, because I want people to, that are going through shit to one, know that they're not the only one and two, know that it's okay. Like it's okay to not be okay. That's what's up. Um, to wrap things up on, on this particular segment, you know, this is always a, a fun yeah. one. What did you want to be when you were a kid? I wanted to be a lawyer. I always like arguing. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. And then I realized how much like reading and work you needed to do, and I was like, <laughs> "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> there you go. I, and and I, I was like, "Get older. I don't I don't want to argue with, with anybody. Like, if, <laughs> if you want to argue, I'm good. Like, you can go over there and argue with yourself." No, you you know it, it's it's funny that that you say that because you know. My mother used to say that to me. Oh, I want you to be a lawyer because you like to argue. It's amazing how things like that can either define you or become a part of what people expect from you. So it's pretty funny that, you know, you wanted to be a lawyer. And then when you saw what goes into it, like I I was the same way. I remember I got all the way up to college thinking, oh, I'm going to be a lawyer because my mom wanted me to be one. And then when I got to college, 
and I started it, I was like, man, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Definitely does. Definitely sucks. All right. Um, to wrap things up, we, we do a segment, reach one, teach one, one last piece of actionable advice um, that we like to share with, with our listeners and everyone's framed a little differently in your case, you know, especially as a, as a father and as someone who's, you know, trying to cultivate material for the creators of the future, what do you, what do you feel young people would benefit from the most if they wanted to venture down the path that you're on as a creator? I think the younger generation needs to learn to be a little more patient. And it's hard to say that because like we're, we're all impatient, right? In some capacity, like, and if you think about like when you're a parent, right? And and your kid is young, right? Like, yeah, like I'm talking like zero to walking, right? Like you can't wait until the kid's older so you can play with them, right? Like you're impatient. Yep. But then when you look back, you're like, fuck, I wish I could put this kid back down so I could take a minute to breathe. Right. (laughs) So it's all, it's all, we're always at that point of wanting something that, that we're, 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 we don't have. But I think you got to look at like people that have been successful and what they've done. And you don't have to necessarily mimic their personality, but you got to mimic their behaviors. Like you have to mimic the work that they put in. You have to mimic the consistency and the effort and the authenticity. And like, you know, I was having a conversation with one of my agents the other day and she's put out a bunch of content over a period of time and just hasn't been consistent. And she's like, yeah, my figure's like blown up. And I'm like, yo, and and I can be brutally honest, thankfully with her, right? Because some people just don't, can't take that. And I'm like, if you look at like, the consistency, right? And the consistency that ultimately multiplies itself over time versus being inconsistent, right? So if you're inconsistent for a period of five years, right? That's really like you only put in a year, maybe a year and a half, right? Whereas if you're consistent and solid for five years, it ends up becoming more like seven years worth of effort, right? So when you look at that delta, that's why you see the difference in, in what things are. And I think people need to ultimately always remember that, like, there's nothing you can't do. You may not want to do all the things that are necessary to get the result that you want, but you can. But, you know, maybe I can't be an NBA star. Right? That's just not in my cards, right? Other than that, and other than, other than trying to find the asterisk, there's pretty much almost anything that I can do. Like if I wanted to become a doctor, which I don't, but if I did, like I could do that. It would take probably eight years of my life. I'd have to rearrange a whole bunch of different things. I'd have to live differently. I'd have to so on and so forth. But if I wanted to, I could. And I think we need to just look at those that are doing the things we want to do and the work that it took them to get to where they are. Um, and you're always going to have exceptions, right? You're always going to have somebody that bubbled out of nowhere, right? 
but that that's a, a flash in the pan. I mean, that's, that's, that's 15 minutes. That doesn't last. And you're not building a sustainable long-term career off of, you know, a, vi- a video that went super viral. Right? There's no one video that will ever change your life. There isn't. It's a, it's a complete, like, it, it, it's your evolution as a person, but it's like a complete journey that, that ultimately gets you there. Right. So I think it's patience plus consistency plus authenticity, you know. I mean, that, by being a good person. It, doesn't, it doesn't get summed up easier than that, that's for sure. Um, Mike, you, you've shared some amazing insights, some amazing value, and more importantly, just some really good stories. If people wanted to keep up with you, follow your work, where would, where would you recommend they go? I mean, you can follow me everywhere. I'm Mike Silky, NYC. I, I spend most of my time on TikTok and Instagram. Awesome. Mike, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to share the toys and tech of your trade. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Man, what a lot of gems in this conversation with Mike. I took away quite a few of them and I've been in the game for a minute. So it's always good to learn a little bit more from your fellow entrepreneurs and creators. If you like what Mike said and you want to keep up with all of Mike's work, make sure to check him out on TikTok, Instagram, and any other social media platforms where he is creating content. We'll make sure to include links for them in the show notes for this episode. Last but not least, if you're interested in any of the products that we discussed, you can find links to them in the show notes as well. As always, full disclosure, some of those products may contain affiliate links, which if you click, we will receive a small commission that goes towards making uh, this podcast Rage War- and RageWorks in general better for you, the consumer. As always, if you want to keep up with RageWorks and everything we do, I invite you to subscribe to the RageWorks newsletter. We send it out once a week. Don't bombard your inbox with crap. We share the latest shows, our articles, and everything that we are working on. Plus, if you are a newsletter subscriber, you will get early access to any contests or special promotions that we are working on before the general public. So do yourselves a favor. Make sure to subscribe to the newsletter. Links for it will be in the show notes for this episode. If you want to follow us on social media, RageWorks is everywhere. You can find us wherever you consume your social media content and get your social media fix. Uh, The RageWorks Podcast Network does have its own dedicated Twitter account. You can find us on Twitter at RageWorksNet. Everything else is straight through RageWorks, including Instagram. For those of you that have asked, right now I'm not going to do a separate uh, account for this podcast. It's It's just way too many things to manage, but... Everything else is shared via RageWorks, so definitely follow us there as well. To close out this week's episode, I want to reiterate something I mentioned at the start of this podcast, and I want to say it again. If you're an entrepreneur, content creator, or just somebody who's on the grind, on the hustle, trying to be uh, financially free or just mentally free, take a moment, give yourself a break, whatever it is. Working on a podcast, doing that video, whatever it is, uh, working on Instagram and TikToks and etc. Take a moment, close the app, walk away from your computer, go outside, get some sunlight, you know, hug your kids, play with your kids, 
spend time with your family, spend time with your friends, um, decompress. The grind will be there when you come back. I promise you. But guess what? The grind won't mean anything if you're not present to put in the work. So take some time for yourselves. Make sure to focus on mental health, health, mental health is wealth. Um, definitely uh, focus on that first and foremost. And I mean, as much as I like to give that advice, I got to follow it, too. So this is a call to action for myself as well. All right. Enough with the preachy BS. Do yourselves a favor. Like I said, take time out for yourselves. The content will always be there. Thank you guys for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, take a moment, leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to take an extra second or two and write something nice or not, uh, please do so. We really appreciate it. It's really good for social proof, good for the algorithms, of course, and it helps get the podcast and everything we do at RageWorks on other people's radar. And of course, if you like this particular guest, share their episode. Every little bit helps getting them in front of more people as well. I'm Rich. You've heard Toys and Tech of the Trade, episode 51, and I'm out. See you guys in two weeks. Peace. Toys and Tech of the Trade is part of the Rageworks Podcast Network. 
your source for rants about gaming, entertainment, and the works. Visit us at RageWorksNetwork.com.